Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Woo! That's what the song says. Y'all having a, a woo kind of a Friday out there? You you had a, a woo day so far? Had a Friday or a Thursday. Yeah, it's Thursday. <laughs> Thursday. I'm going to circle that. Did I say Friday? That, what day is it? I don't, I don't know. I have Friday, but it is Thursday. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was just making sure because I get my days easily confused. I was a, a day ahead. Oh, there's one week I had no idea what day it was. <laughs> uh, like I came in Monday and it felt like Wednesday and then Tuesday felt I, like Thursday. And you then, know what happened? I think it's the weather. That's what happens. Yeah, speaking of when, when it rains all day and then gets all gloomy. Yeah, welcome to uh, Indiana weather right here. You know, it's just gloomy, overcast all day. And then you, and then they tell us, drop the bomb to tell us the kids are making it out of school early. Yeah, mine got out two hours early. That dude looked, I mean, normally I'm standing at the bus stop. I will not be there today. Oh. They're listening in class. So, so why is he getting out of school early? I, I, they say he got flooding or, you know, I know. the Lucas, you're young. Did you ever just get out of school when it rained hard? Not that I can think of. And I grew up, I went to high school in Birmingham where if it snowed half an inch, people were running around like chickens with their well, heads you, cut off. Did you get like, your, you know, out of school early or canceled because of snow? Oh, yeah, all, all but, the time. No, potential snow. Potential. They used to be when I was in school. They were all they were they were always very late to do it. Like they, there was ah. one time where they waited so long, and then the snow started coming, and ice started forming. Then they finally let everyone out, and then a bunch of kids wrecked into each other on the way out of a high school parking lot. Yeah, but and now that, I think they're a lot more quick to to cancel or delay. The bus drivers and everything yeah. else putting a lot of the kids uh, in uh, in danger there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I always yeah. wonder about that. Like my wife works from home now. So my son gets off the bus, like she's going to be at home on a Zoom meeting so he can hide his butt up and walk in the door. Uh-huh. But like back in the day, I mean, what happens if your school gets out early? What what are you going to do? Oh, me? Oh, I was, yeah. I was a single parent. Uh, yeah. And uh, she was at work. Yeah, yeah. I'd just take my key and unlock the door and go inside and just say, stay in there. <laughs> Yeah. Don't they, let a stranger in. Don't answer the door. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's knocking at that door at all. I'm going to be coming through the door. I'll be there in a couple of hours. So sorry. I was like, okay. Tell uh, Grandma, you know, around the way to <laughs> come over, <laughs> which was walking distance, but it wasn't like it was a, a quick uh, a walk. Not right next door. Yeah, it was definitely probably a, yeah, you know, a, 10-minute walk. Not that far, though. Can I can I tell you guys a, a secret? Because it's too late now. You can't, like, break in. <laughs> what? We did not have a key to our house. <laughs> when you were a kid? Yeah. What do you mean? Wait, 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 wait. So you live out in the middle of nowhere. That's what that tells me. Maybe I'm wrong. But how do you not have a key to your door? Like, we, there is no, you don't have a, a head, I mean, a key thingy to go in there? No, they had them. We just didn't have keys. We never <laughs> locked our door. Never. So you literally lived on a gravel road like you always talk about. I grew up on a gravel road. Somebody, you can say, oh, I can see them coming. This was <laughs> even after I moved to the big city of Harrisburg, no which was 1,900 people. We lived in the last house as you were leaving town going south towards Whitehall and Wynn in <laughs> Cherry Valley, which uh, we had no key to our door. Uh. Here's how we figured it out. Do you remember a few years ago? This has been a long time ago, probably 30 years ago. I accidentally leave my door unlocked because I forgot. Oh, no. Do you remember they were going to close Waffle House for a holiday? They made that decision. This This was years and years ago, and a manager of a Waffle House said, we don't have a key. We never close. 
because it had never closed. Right, and, right. and it never closes now. They don't ever close. But we didn't have a key. And we were going to Chicago. I mean, my, my parents worked all the time. We really weren't vacation people. I mean, yeah, me. but we there, one summer, it's like, we're going to go see your aunt and uncle and your cousins in Chicago. And I'll never forget, we put all of our stuff in the car. And we were getting ready to leave. And my dad looked at my mom and they looked at each other. We were standing at the door and he said, I feel like we should lock this. And she goes, don't lock it. We don't have a key. And he said, we don't have a key to our own house. And she goes, do you have one? He said, nope. (laughs) So whatever y'all left, regardless of whatever time y'all came back. We went to Chicago for five days and left the house. And like people had been there when we came back. (laughs) Like some of my friends had just come to the house. Like my friends had just come over. Like just looking for you. Well, yeah, just looking for and that. And they just go in. Yeah, my mom left food in the refrigerator. They ate the food in the refrigerator. A loaf of bread? Yes. <laughs> like, my friends came over and ate while we were gone. Oh, We man. didn't have a key to our house. There's got to be people who, listening who are rural people who understand that. <laughs> I have I didn't no have one to my college house, the house I lived in Well, in college. yeah, college. Yeah, yeah like the doorknob would come off the handle oh, if you tried yeah. to use a key. Yeah. I didn't have a key the entire time we lived yeah, there. Yeah, I, I could feel you on the college deal. You but that was change. more dangerous because I was in Fort Sanders right off campus, and anybody, you know, could have just busted in there. Did oh, they? Man. No. They no, didn't want your did. stuff? No, it was a very decrepit-looking house. Yeah. I, I lived in a similar situation right after college, and we lived <laughs> next to a golf course. It's like, this pretty nice area. Yeah. Our house was not nice. And we always left all the doors open when we came and went. There were so many people that lived in the house, and people always stayed with us. And people yep. like we had friends who didn't live with us, but they'd come by there and eat their lunch because we were all kind of getting out of school and starting jobs. Mm. And one of our friends came over one day and chewed us all out like, you got to – y'all have – the basement was full of musical gear. We had a band. Oh. We had thousands of dollars worth of musical gear. And one of our friends just totally chewed us out and said, you got to be more responsible. So we went and bought locks. We went and bought doorknobs so we could have keys to the locks. And this is no lie. We had all started riding bicycles at night. We bought these, like, mountain-type bicycles right, that everybody right. just, if you buy a bike, that's what you buy. And we were riding our bikes all over town at night. And we had them all just in the garage. The first day after we put all the locks on the doors, somebody came there while we were at work and gone that day and stole every one of our bicycles. No. bikes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so either they were mad they couldn't get in and they just took everything, or literally we saved ourselves from getting every musical instrument that we had stolen. Yeah, they were just going to take it bike off. Stolen, right? Mm. Oh yeah, you know it's a seventy nine dollar bike in nineteen ninety four. Yeah, take the bike. That's fine. Mm. <laughs> Good times. Yeah, yeah I, have I, I, I could not have died. Uh, had a. A uh, key to lock the door in my house. Uh, my bad. My apartment that I grew up in. A three-bedroom apartment. Yeah. No did, way, no Did house. you access it from outside or from a hallway on the inside? Oh, no, no. It was outside. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, you know what? I, I think I may have a picture. I took a picture of where I grew up. Yeah, it's uh, it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, how about this? You're talking about <laughs> a key to the door. Now, our door was double locked, by the way. and Just no screen or anything. Just a door. By the way, we're driving down the street in our, you could see our apartment complex and our door actually, because we were on the end unit. We were the second to the end, right? We can literally see somebody standing in our doorway, robbing us while we're coming. That happened. And I remember to a T because I was young. I probably was 12, maybe somewhere around there. You were seeing someone robbing your place. Yeah, I see them taking stuff out and putting it in their car right in the front. The reason why, because it was sometime after Christmas, so it was the new year. 
and I got my first color TV. I'll never forget in my room. And someone took it. Yeah. Did you not stop them or like run up? No, on? I said we live down the street. Like oh. you can see them from afar. Oh. And so the last little deal, you could see the person get in the car and take off. <sighs> and so we were like chasing them. My mom drove up there. Was like, "Bam! What the hell? You know, she's going through panic mode, calling the police." Yeah. You ever see that TV again? What I'm getting to, no. What I'm getting to is there is no way in heck that I would not have a lock on my door and a key to it. No way. That was the only time we ever got. But still, yeah. And they took that TV I got for Christmas. It scarred me for life. I I always like, oh, man, I remember it was an RCA. You know somebody heard you talking about that TV. I was like, I know when y'all aren't home. That was the inside I, I, job. Oh I, was, oh, I wasn't talking. I never talked about what we got. Somebody Mm-mm. saw it. And Somebody I wasn't knew. even letting people. I don't know how they. Yeah, maybe saw, saw my mother bringing it in maybe uh, in a box. It's the inside job. Yeah, because it was a brand new TV. See, somebody knew. It's yeah, the inside it's, job. Yeah. My mom said, I can control what you watch, so you don't have a TV in your room. So I was delighted. Christmas, I got me a TV in my room. Mm. Woo-wee. How long oh. did you have it? Literally like a couple months. <laughs> it was horrible. So, yeah, I, I needed a double lock and a screen door <laughs> lock and every other lock you named it to make sure. All right, John is on the Mark Spain Real Estate Arts, uh, <laughs> Hotline from Clarksville. John, did you grow up with locks on your door? Yeah, but we tried not to use them too much. Wow. Uh, one thing I'm going to tell you is uh, a friend of mine was the head football coach at uh, Springfield High School, we had a uh, golf cart, and we put all of our things up that, we, you know, we watch game film and things like that. And one night, I get a call, or this person gets a call, and uh, says, Coach, somebody stole the golf cart. They're driving around with it, and then they uh, – They've got all all the stuff that we need to watch films. I said, all right, I'll be up there. And uh, no, he went up there. And uh, but the funny thing was, these guys are driving around town and just proud of it as hell. And <laughs> just uh, it, it was <laughs> it was so funny that uh, the guy I know pulled up and they come in a few minutes later and, and I told them I said that my friend needs those things returned and uh, he goes we ain't gonna do it and all this well just so happened my friend pulled a baseball bat out nope. and uh, well, he told him he goes boys I'm gonna tell you he goes that shit ain't back in Okay. <laughs> okay. He said that crapper ain't. <laughs> uh oh, Mickey's up here pressing everybody. The wrong button. Did you have, we catch that, Lucas? Oh, I, I, I had a feeling. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I think it was on the he trigger. was having a good time. He's telling a great story. But yeah, yeah, maybe that should be a poll question. Did you uh, grow up without having a key to your <laughs> doors? And, and, it's be- and it's not like we fixed the problem before. We just left. We just left the doors unlocked. Yeah. We y'all, y'all for feel comfortable. That the whole week. Was gonna, yeah. yeah. And like people came over while we were gone. There were dishes in the sink. Like, hey, man, you stopped by your mom and left some leftovers. I live out in the rural area, so I'm, I'm, I was more of a probably in the city. You were city guy? I would say so. To a certain extent, yeah. 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 Baltimore apartment. 
Baltimore. Uh-huh. In Indianapolis. <laughs> <laughs> I lived on Illinois Avenue in Harrisburg, oh, Arkansas. Yeah. Oh, okay. Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> Married a lady from Illinois. See, that was, that oh, was, it was like me. foretelling. Yeah. 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 No doubt there, man. All right. Lucas is like holding up his hands and telling us that we need to take a break. All right. We'll do this. Uh, when we come back. We'll get into uh, a whole bunch of cool football stuff with Kevin Carter, uh, Blaine's former teammate. He won a Super Bowl with the Rams, and he joined the Titans. Fantastic football player. Over 100 sacks in his career. Mm. Lots of headlines to get to with Kevin Carter. Also, uh, we have JT on the line. JT, we'll talk to you before we talk to Kevin. We'll go to the phones. We'll call Kevin while we talk to JT. I think he wants to get into this lock discussion. That's fascinating. Any of y'all grow up without locks, or was it just me? It's Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. (laughs) Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Thanks for hanging out with us today and every day. And if you ever miss a show, if you miss any of your favorite Zone shows, remember any place where you consume all your favorite podcasts, you can find Blaine and Mickey there, and you can find all of your favorite Zone shows. They're all there for you to listen to anytime. Uh, Broderick says in the Zone TV chat, Baltimore Apartments, LOL, Blaine, I grew up in Hallville. (laughs) You know that place? Yeah, I did. Okay. That, yeah, that was a little <laughs> bit worse. Broderick is alive and well. Yeah, yeah. No doubt about that. Uh, yeah. JP says, now we'll never know what happened to the golf cart. Yeah, we had a, meran- a meandering phone call that ended with some potty words. We had to mute it and uh, send him on his way. So, yeah, But he had a great story. Dang. So it was going well. So Blaine's house had two logs. Mine had just doors with no keys. Uh, JT in Hendersonville wanted to weigh in on the no locks situation uh what you got for us jt thanks for calling yeah uh hey guys thanks for taking my call long time zone listener and uh, love your show Thank you. um we grew up in the uh in a on a farm in the center of baton rouge about 15 minutes from tiger stadium uh, my dad was a farm manager for lsu for about 30 years and I never had a key to the house. My dad never had a key to the house. We, we, my dad was like, we were so poor. He didn't care if anybody needed to come in and take something. They can just take it. We've got insurance, and we'll replace it probably with something better. Oh, <laughs> <if we had laughs> wow, that's a good idea, right? My- all right, and now my and now uh, my wife gets so frustrated uh, because uh, I'll come home and I'll look at a key ring. And I'll go, well, honey, what, what's this key for on my key ring? And she'll say, come on now. This is the key to the front right door, door of your home. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And uh, I, we, I never lock the door, but, I, you know, and it's, but she, it drives her absolutely crazy. So I feel you, Mickey. Yeah. And uh, nothing like being on a farm in the center of town I, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Hey, man, I, I can't imagine the things you saw on campus living there. That had to have been fantastic as a kid. Oh, it was great. I mean, you know, all my summer jobs were on the campus when I was a kid. I used to, I knew that, I know that, I still do know that place backwards and forwards. And, and uh, of course, I'm an alumni from there, and it's a, it's a very special place. But uh, nothing like being not too far from campus uh, with no key to your front door. That was kind of crazy. <laughs> man. JT, thank you. Thank you, man. That's that's incredible. Um, that's my My dad's thing wasn't that. My dad's thing was, well, if somebody needs something, then they can just get it. What if they really need something? Oh, then they can whether just get it was it. family or friends. He yeah. didn't care. Yeah, he didn't care if they're a stranger. Yeah, man, if I leave the door locked, my my wife because <laughs> sometimes I'll leave the side door like you know by the garage and accidentally you know, and then she'll be like, "You left that door. Somebody could have came in here and got us." 
Huh? My dad. I mean, if I if I'm here, nobody getting us. My dad picked up every ch- hitchhiker. He picked up every. Oh, really? We we had homeless people that slept in in on our couch. We had. Oh, wow. We never had a holiday meal that we didn't have. It was like this guy was going through town. I saw him at the bus station. He didn't have anywhere to go. This is you know Jorge. Oh, that's cool. And so we we never had a holiday meal without a stranger there who you know they became our friend. Right. right. But I mean. Well, there was always somebody in our house, always. Uh, and I, uh, once uh, I asked uh, him, I'm like, he said, <laughs> it was pouring down rain, this guy walking, and my dad's like, I'm going to pick this guy up and don't complain. And I said, I'm not going to complain. I said, You're just, we're in a hurry. He was trying to get me somewhere. He goes, what if that was you and nobody picked you up? How do you think you'd feel about that? And I was like, eh, touche. So we picked that dude up. We were late. But he said we did the right thing. Wow. Yeah. Oh, he was, my dad was he was, he was a great guy. Oh, him. man, that's where it comes from, right there. <laughs> there it is. I'm not half the guy that he was. Chris <laughs> in Nashville joins us next. Chris, did you grow up with locks on your doors, or, or apparently are there more than one of us who did that? So we had locks, but uh, we had a key everywhere that you had a lock. You know, there was a key underneath the mat, or uh, my mom used to put the key in the they had little flower pots next to the doors. Uh, and we also mm-hmm. left all the keys in the vehicles. You know, you just never locked anything really i mean the house was locked but you could get in if you needed to and all my friends were the same way i'd i'd get off school and go to a friend's house to hang out with them and we just i'd just walk in you know that's just how it was you you raise an interesting uh, point chris we never took the keys out of our cars either no i I don't even do that now i don't yeah because i'm afraid i'm I'm, but we had in a garage but we had no garage (laughs) no no garage you just outside you just left the key in there yeah oh I mean, my dad, we would drive to Jonesboro to the mall, and my my if my dad ever had to go to Jonesboro to the mall, like the one year he would have to buy my mom a gift or Christmas, you know, the day before, and he would just leave his keys in his truck. I mean, you could have just had it. It's like, well, if somebody needs it so that one, bad, you know, they can have it. One time, uh, <laughs> my dad needed the my dad needed the key to the tractor, and it wasn't in the tractor, and that's because I had drove it to school my freshman year. <laughs> and I took the key with me to wrestling practice. So he had to come to wrestling pra- practice to get the key for the tractor. But that's just, I mean, it was, we're rural, rural, but not not too far out there. It's just yeah. how everybody was, I guess. Uh, so it he was, drove the tractor home. We needed it. I drove I drove the tractor. Yeah, dra- he drove the tractor home and I walked home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that leads me down a whole nother road. Like, other than a truck or a car, what did you drive to school at one point in time? Did you ever drive anything crazy? No, I mean I drove tractor. I learned to drive on a tractor. Um, but you, but you didn't drive it like to school or anything. No, to this day, I can start a forty twenty John Deere with a really long screwdriver. I know how to like. I know how to hotwire one basically. Um, no, I never drove a tractor. I, there were there were days at some of the other rural schools. During where they might have like, and we're waiting on Kevin Carter. He's supposed to call us. Um, I don't know what's going on. Blaine is efforting Kevin Carter. He's booked for this time period. But um, there were other schools that would have like drive your tractor to school day, and they would have like a parade of tractors. That has probably happened around here. If you get a little bit outside of town to some of the more rural areas, my father would leave his truck running when he went to like the convenience store. Oh, okay. Like he would pull up and just leave it running with the keys in it. If nobody else was running, he would leave the door open with the truck running and the keys in it to go inside and get like, you know, us a box of chicken tenders. Or if he's just running in against yeah. something and come right back yeah. out. 
But he would leave the door open. Yes, the door open. <laughs> he just invited people to just to take his cup. This, if you need it. Yeah, here it is. Just if, jump on in. If you if you need it. That blows your mind, doesn't it? It, it really does. Like, leaving the door. I can get leaving the keys in there and even leaving the car started because you're just running in there. You know, if you're a small market, a convenience store. Uh, but I'm not leaving the door open. Because <laughs> it's like, hey, look, I left the door open here. No, let the, let the door happened. open. And never anything happened, did it? No, nothing yeah. ever happened. Nothing, nothing ever happened. No matter where we went or what we did. Uh, Kevin Carter is supposed to check in with us, so hopefully we will hear from him in this segment. At hour number two, we'll get Coach Doug Matthews. He will uh, jump on and talk with us, make his weekly visit. Brought to you by the uh, Tennessee Highway Safety Office. I'm sure we'll talk some NFL stuff with Kevin Carter. Oh yeah, for sure, because he's with CBS Sports. So he's an analyst, uh, pro and college. Uh, by the way, he's a Florida graduate. Man, but I, I was looking at, uh, man, his stats, and I, I'm just blown away. Like, what is the criteria? That's kind of one of the questions I was asking besides, you know, he was at the uh, stadium at the Rams and, and everything else, uh, you know, and what the atmosphere was like, halftime. But what are the qualifications for him personally that he thinks uh, should be to be a Hall of Fame D lineman and what should go into that? And uh, because I don't even know if he's ever even been nominated. So, I, I feel like after looking at his numbers, you know, over 100 sacks and all the, his longevity and everything else that, uh, you know, he should at least uh, be nominated. Uh, it used to be where if you have 100 sacks, that was kind of like the, the line where you say, well, he's pretty much an automatic, not maybe not first ballot, but uh, he definitely was going to get in. Uh, but that's that's not. And he's got a hundred. He led the league one year with seventeen. And I, and I bet if I asked him, I've never asked him this: Did he play just so he could get to one hundred? Like, yeah, guys. I mean, he played like fourteen years. He played for not only, but you know, one year deals with the like Dolphins, Tampa Bay. He kind of stayed, you know, in the in the uh, South in Florida after uh, leaving us. So, yeah, man, what a heck of a player! What a great human being, uh, too. By the way, good leadership skills. I just. Uh, Man, and how hard it was uh, for him to get it back to the Super Bowl, you know, when they went back the next year and they didn't get it. So, you know, they went two years in a row. And, by the way, they were the St. Louis Rams at that time. Does he feel for St. Louis now that the L.A. Rams got a Super Bowl, the city, you know, and everything else, uh, you know, and are they still connected even though they moved? Uh, because potentially everybody's saying that that's going to be the next uh, city, maybe, if it's here in the States. St. Louis is going to get an NFL team because they just paid them almost like $800 million to get out of that lawsuit for moving. If I'm St. Louis, to me, that thing seemed like it got, once it picked up some steam, it just seemed to settle, just like, okay, that's fine. People thought they'd get a lot more money. A lot of people thought that out of the deal, they would get a guarantee for an NFL, NFL team. team. Right. Uh, that was that was a common thought process. And if you don't, if you're not familiar, Stan Kroenke just took the Rams out of St. Louis and moved them to Los Angeles, built a new stadium, got the Super Bowl, now won the Super Bowl in the home stadium that he built, and the people in St. Louis were just like, uh, "What just happened?" But like that that stadium where they played, the Edward Jones Dome. Mm-hmm. I mean, nothing spectacular. You know, they at one point they put together plans to maybe build them a stadium by the river. Sure. You know what's funny is would you would you be mad though if you were a saint? Just imagine this. Let's just flip this now. If you're Houston and the Oilers moved here and became the Titans and they won a Super Bowl, and yet the Oilers don't exist, would you be pissed if, uh, when you were a fan? I mean, that's kind of the St. Louis. I would deal. never leave being H Town if that happened. 
And and the people in St. I know people in St. Louis. Like they love Coach Mack and Fisher, and they love the players, and mm-hmm. they hate Stan Kroenke, and they hate the NFL so much. St. Louis has lost two NFL teams, and right. people are like, "Wait, what?" Yeah. And if you don't know, I mean, young people, how would you know this? The Cardinals were in St. Louis, yeah, the Louis football Cardinals. Cardinals. Yeah, Neil Lomax is all yes. I can remember. Neil Lomax, number fifteen, and they had a receiver, Roy Williams, Roy Green, Roy Green, Roy Green. And uh, dang man, you make me recall because I was really into the running backs at the time. So I was a running back, Stump Mitchell. Maybe? Stump Mitchell was a fantastic fullback for them. Okay, uh, well they called him a fullback, but he called a lot of passes and played running back and. Um, Dan Deerdorf, who went on to a great Dan broadcasting Deerdorf. career, yeah. and the Conrad Dolber, Dolber, <laughs> Conrad Dobler, who's considered maybe the dirtiest NFL player in history. He was a Cardinal for his six, seven-year career. But yeah, the Cardinal—they've lost two NFL football teams. I two. So I'd be hot as fish grease, as you say. Um, but you know what? I don't think fans have sympathy. Like if we just went out on the street and asked people, do you feel bad for St. Louis? I don't think that. No. Why would I feel bad? No, for no, no, no. Do the Saint? I mean, the St. Louis. Oh, are St. Louis people upset? And do people that now are still affiliated with the organization as a player, maybe even as a coach, do you feel bad that they moved and then now they have a championship? I feel terrible. Well, y'all, y'all almost won one after you left Houston, mm-hmm. but they got their deal fixed. They got the Texans. You know. The Browns left uh, went to Cleveland and went to Baltimore. You know, the Colts left Baltimore and went to Indy. Yeah, that so, happened when I was in high school. I had no idea what the heck was going on. <laughs> like, I mean, they you? just they just had Mayflower moving trucks, and this wasn't in a day of like social media, and it was being tweeted about, and ESPN was spending fifteen hours a day talking about it. They just left one day. They just left, and Baltimore supported them. They supported the Colts, the Baltimore Colts. All right, people our age are like, right, I remember this. Like, 25-year-old dude is listening right now is like, what are y'all talking about? Yeah, that's what Lucas is doing. Lucas, do you know any of this stuff, or is this all? I know about the movement as far as Baltimore to Indy and the Browns leaving Cleveland and then coming back, but certainly not about how it affected those communities. I, I am in the in the kind of the segment of people that does feel bad for St. Louis Rams fans. I do. I, like, I as, think a fan, I do. I, as, as a fan, I empathize. I can't imagine, like, growing up and going with your dad and the connections that it makes. And you're They a won a Super Bowl. And like, not, St. Louis is a Super Bowl right. town. And not only do they move, but they go to L.A., right? Like, yeah. St. Louis yeah. and L.A., they got nothing they in common. common. They're, oh, they're so no. far, far away. So it's just not your team anymore. It doesn't feel like your team anymore. And for a lot of people, that's one of the most precious things in their lives, their fanhood. So I, for a lot of, I feel really bad for a lot of people. They stole their fanhood. Yeah, that are probably really conflicted right now about the Rams winning a Super Bowl. Oh, I, I know people in St. Louis. I mean, I'm connected to Cardinals people, and I've got friends who live there. They hate Stan Kroenke with the burning intensity sure. of a thousand suns. I knew people who changed, like, all their Twitter avatars and stuff to Bengals stuff that week. Just anything but the Rams. Think how heartbroken people would be right now if the Titans up and moved to, you know, I don't know, what's a big city without an NFL team. And they could see it coming, too. It's not like when the Colts left Baltimore – it would drag on and on and on as people watched. Well, he, this lease thing over here, if the lease was coming up and the city was like, we're not paying a penny, and the Titans were saying, well, we're not going to do it, if that were the case, which I know they're working on a, a you know, a ballpark village, a battery-type situation over there where you party down and live there and everything else. But now things play out in slow motion over time. So those St. Louis people had a front-row seat 
to watching their team and the team owner say, screw you. There is nothing you can do about it. I'm taking this team to Los Angeles because I can and because it's worth so much more money to mm, me. And now I'm winning the Super Bowl. Now it's worth probably $3 billion. Oh. Yeah. And he built the greatest stadium. I mean, you and me want yeah. to go there so bad and see oh, yeah. this place. Yeah, I'm going to check it out. It's an outdoor stadium with a cover. Like, Char- Chargers fans just had to see their team move down the road, right? Yeah. Right. And I'm sure that wasn't easy. L.A. and San Diego are very different. But mm-hmm. it's just a whole it's a whole different thing from St. Louis to L.A. You just I just I hate it for some people. There's 32. Yeah, you're, what you're saying is like California people could still be connected to the team and still go visit, even though it's You still not, drive a couple hours and know, go San see the Diego team. San Diego Chargers is just, you know, the L.A. Chargers. So I'm not mistaken, the Chargers actually started in L.A., and were owned by Paris Hilton's grandfather, Baron Hilton. Mm. You can double check that, but I think that's right. She, he was either Paris Hilton. He's Paris Hilton's grandfather. He was the original owner, and they were in L.A. So they had a history in L.A. Uh, and went back. But like Raider fans, those people are nuts, crazy. Yep. Yeah. And it's like the city of Oakland. Was like, Oakland, yeah. and now it's in Vegas. The Raiders were in Los Angeles for a minute, played in the yep. L.A. Coliseum. Al Davis took no crap from anybody. He did whatever he wanted. Fought the NFL tooth and nail every step of the way. But I don't even remember when we played them in uh, Memphis, if they were the L.A. Raiders or the Oakland Raiders. What were they in uh, 97? Honestly, I don't know if they'd moved back to Oakland then or not. Maybe they had. But they they spent time in L.A. They spent time in Oakland. And in Oakland, basically the city, and I don't, I don't want to speak for the city of Oakland, was like, we can't redo your stadium. We can't build you a new stadium. We got, I mean, we got our own problems. Okay. Las Vegas, we will build you a spaceship. And they did. Well, and, the A's now, you know, have their similar conversations around the athletics. Yeah. Oh. They need to just come you, here. You got, you got some breaking news for us? Bold predictions <laughs> on where, where they No, is? I mean, it was this past yeah, summer, right, that right. essentially the, the deal was new stadium has to be approved by the city of, of Oakland or they're out of there. Yeah. And uh, the, the, Oakland's not going to do it. Sure, I mean, they're not going to do it. So now Oakland A's fans. I mean, the A's were in Philly. The A's were in Kansas City. They've moved around. Mm. I'm Antony Kent. Kent ain't easy. Like, imagine if the Titans just moved to Salt Lake City. If they just <laughs> oh. announced. Seriously. Like, that's the Philly you're up. talking about right. so far yeah. away. You can't even. What if they were like, we're going to build you a dome stadium in Salt Lake City. It's a great city. Yep. We're NBA gonna be- town. Right. We're going to build you a dome stadium. We here's here's all the whole plan. And everybody here huh. just kind of gets left behind. Yeah. It would be heartbreaking. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? Oh, if I was in St. Louis, I'd be so pissed. That's the, why I feel bad for St. Louis. The only thing yeah. they have to fall back on is I know some of them love the Blues. The Blues franchise is about what 50 years old, a little over 50 years old, but they have the Cardinals who are and just the, the heart Cardinals. and soul yeah. of everything. Yeah, and the Blues, yeah. So all right, phone lines are ringing. Maybe it's Kevin Carter. Maybe it's not. Nah, we'll get Matt next. Uh, whoever else is checking in. How would you feel if the Titans left? I'm just curious. Do you have any sympathy for St. Louis? Because I don't think any of you do. I don't think the, this, as long as it's not you, I think you're fine. Uh, we can discuss that next. Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline got lines open. 615-737-1045.
Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Hey, we'll get back to the phone lines, but uh, we got a call on the phone lines. Uh, Kevin Carter joins us now from CBS Sports. Kevin, what in the world's going on, man? Thanks for checking in. How's it going, guys? Hey, man, I appreciate you uh, taking the time out, Kevin. I know you're a busy guy, man. I know you're down there covering the uh, Super Bowl. Uh, you're a pro and college football analyst for CBS Sports. Uh, just kind of take us through, you know, the the venue, I mean, the stadium, the, the atmosphere around it, and, and everything else, the halftime show. Just kind of take us through some of your, your memories of, of what happened there at, at, the, uh, at the Super Bowl. Man, an unbelievable uh, day. I couldn't have had better weather. You know, SoFox Stadium is, is, is really built uh, ergonomically and economically, you know, uh, eco-friendly. Mm. Got the breeze coming through there. And, man, it was just a, an amazing venue for, I think, one of the best games we've had in recent years. Um, I think some debate can be had in terms of the officiating for much of the game, but mm. at least they were fair. I mean, both sides, you know, got questionable calls at times when they needed it. Um, they weren't really calling anything, no holding, you know, not a whole bunch of bump and run type stuff early in the game. And then, of course, the grotesque, you know, offensive pass interference by T. Higgins that kind of really, you know, set the, the Bengals in motion to kind of take the lead there in the second half. And, you know, you had really nothing going on in terms of officiating. And then, you know, on that last ride, they decided to start calling things. And, and, and I'm not going to say that it wasn't because, you know, you can call holding or pass interference mm, or those man. things on almost any play. Um, but I think, you know, for the most part, it was a great game. But in the end, you're looking at two teams that are very talented, but the Rams were, were stacked, and I think their talent is really what won out. Um, I said going into this game, between Jalen Ramsey, Von Miller, and Aaron Donald, one of those three was going to make a game-changing or game-ending type play, and it turned out to be Aaron Donald. Uh, truly unblockable, you know, really just a, a talent for this generation in terms of a three-technique play. I mean, he's like the, the best of John Randall and Warren Sapp, just all rolled into one. And, uh, and you know, and speaking of those guys, you know, Super Bowl was, was great. And, Blaine, you know, for us old heads, it's like a family reunion. You know, yeah. we get to see all of our all of our guys. I, I was blessed enough to go to the 100 sack uh, club reception hosted by none other than Bruce Smith himself. <laughs> um, you know, we honored, you know, those who were fallen, guys like Deacon Jones that are no longer with us. But it was cool just to see, you know, guys like the Simeon Rices and Trace Armstrongs and John Abrahams and, you know, Pat Swillings and, and all these guys, you know, after all these years, man, and Ricky Jackson, and it was, it was great to have that camaraderie. Just a great event. Super Bowl is, a, is, is an event like none other. For the players, it's just a big distraction. <laughs> so, you know, good on them for keeping their heads, you know, um, on the task at hand. But uh, a, a truly unbelievable weekend, a great memory. Mm. Well, Kevin, I have to ask you, you just talked about the 100 Sack Club, and you are a member of that. And I remember growing up thinking, and even while I was playing, man, you get 100 sacks, you're eventually going to get into the Hall of Fame. Just tell me how that process maybe has changed, because I feel like, man, I've, I played with the, a whole bunch of guys, and you were one of them that, yeah, man, you got over 100 sacks. I don't even hear a lot of people even mentioning your name, even on the ballot. So it's kind of interesting how that's kind of changed in my eyes. You kind of take it through what you see and why that's kind of changed or has it. 
Well, it is changing, and I think I think we're in really in the midst of that change. Um, if you go back about 20 years, you know, we were really playing a different game of football. Um, back when you and I played, Blaine, you know that a team was mostly run first and pass second. It was right. it was all about controlling the line of scrimmage. And because the rules of engagement, you know, on the other side of the ball when you were in space were very different. And, you know, the rules have changed as we've gone forward. You know, all these entities, the DraftKings, the FanDuels, the Caesars, the Ballets, all these different entities in the fantasy football have really just capitalized on the fact that it's really made it easier for people to score points in this game. And, and I'm not one of these old guys who's disgruntled or whatever, but when you look at the game, you have to take it with a grain of salt. All the passing numbers are going to be greater for quarterbacks that yeah. maybe weren't as great as some of the quarterbacks that we played with. Mm-hmm. So you have to take those numbers with a grain of salt. The same thing goes for getting sacks. Guys have more opportunities to get to the quarterback these days, and those those chances have been increasing through the years. So you're going to have to take another look at those stats and say, okay, when did this guy play? When did he get those 100 sacks? And what did those 100 sacks mean? You have guys that, are, that have kind of played in both eras, so to speak. You have the, the, the Jared Allens who, man, you know, you, you can't knock 140-something sacks. Well, he had 100 sacks, and then he started benefiting from this new game that we're seeing played. But, you know, standards, benchmarks, things like that, you know, those things are great. I know that the, the thing that I always wanted, Blaine, is I wanted to walk into a room full of guys, my peers, whether they had gold jackets or not, and have the respect of everyone in the room. I can do that. You can do that. So, you know, whether I'm in the Hall of Fame really doesn't matter or not. Maybe I'll get in, you know, when I'm, when I'm you know, when I'm, when I'm long gone from this planet. But, um, but I'm thankful just to be in that camaraderie and to have the respect more so um, of my peers than mm-hmm. the subjective extra goals that come along with it. Glad to see guys like, like Tony Baselli, you know, Sam Mills, those guys get in. You know, th- th- there are some people who haven't played this political game of trying to market themselves into the mm-hmm. Hall of Fame that deserve yeah. to be in. So I'm glad some of those guys got in this time. We're on with the great, the legendary former teammate Kevin Carter, Super Bowl champion, and we were kind of talking. I'm going to lead it over to Mickey about, you know, fan bases. And, man, now is the Rams fan base kind of conflicted? Mickey, uh, can I ask the question? Uh, yeah, it, it's such a tough thing, Kevin, because I, there are so many people who love the Rams, but they hate what happened with the Rams. I've got friends who are in St. Louis. It was really interesting kind of watching that city and how they reacted to the things that happened this year and how things ended for the Rams. Yeah, that's, um, you know, I actually saw a lot of the fans out there, and some of them were conflicted. A lot of them wore, you know, the old Rams jerseys, I mean, mm. the St. Louis Rams colors, you know, to the game. And, you know, they're loyal to the franchise. They love the name. They love the brand. But there are some hard feelings. You know, St. Louis as a city, when you go back, you know, to the 80s and you talk about Bidwell, you know, bringing the taking the Cardinals out of St. Louis, I mean, that's an old sports town. I mean, Deardorff and Hart and all those guys that played back in the days, you know, they were heartbroken when they left. And I remember being the, the first-round draft pick, the, the actual first St. Louis Ram. That's a trivia question, by the way. Um, and, and I remember getting to St. Louis and seeing how excited they were. 
and, and, I, and I was amazed. I mean, a city with the Cardinals and the St. Louis Blues and, and, and you know, my in, in G League basketball, I'm like, how does this city not have a professional football team? And we were definitely what was missing. And it was an honor and a privilege to play and live there and bring home a world championship. But, yeah, there's conflicts, man. I remember going back to the Rams reunion. My son was 12 years old. I brought him to that Rams reunion, and the Rams were getting ready to literally leave the city. So they were conflicted even then as they celebrated us, us old heads waving on the 50-yard line, but the team was getting ready to go back to Los Angeles the next year. So it's unfortunate that fans have to be caught up in the, the monetary value of what teams bring to cities. And, and, and that's, that's the real shame of it because St. Louis definitely deserves a franchise. But, you know, you really can't say enough about what it's doing right now for the city of Los Angeles. Kevin running real low on time, but you were a Titan. You obviously still cover the league. When you look at this Titans team, what do they need to do to make that step so we're talking about them as Super Bowl champions? Oh, man. You know what? <laughs> that, that is such a loaded question. And, and, and Lane, Lane already knows what I'm going to say. Okay. You know, and, and, oh, and I'm no. filibustering. I'm stalling. But, look. The playoffs, they, un- they, they reveal where your weakest link is, okay? And if you can match someone step-for-step, step, line of scrimmage, strength of your backs, you know, Derrick Henry was hurt, that's okay. You've got more backs. You've got a competent offensive line. You had injuries along your offensive line. All those things said, the one thing that finally gave way that probably needs to be addressed is your quarterback situation. That's all I'm saying. You've got receivers. You've got tight ends. You've got backs. You've got a great line. And this year, you finally had a defensive line that I felt, man, they got to the quarterback. Yeah. They got it done up front. They got it done in the secondary. They played as well as they need to. But three interceptions in a playoff game, non-productive, not making those throws when you have to make those throws. You're going to have to be the guy sometime. You're going to have to look at coverage, decipher, and make some of those throws. The one thing that you see in those final two contestants standing there vying for a Lombardi trophy is look at the quarterback play. Matt Stafford versus Joe Sweezy. Come on, man. (laughs) There's no mistake in it. You better have a quarterback. Uh, There you have it. There, the legend, Kevin Carter, and future Hall of Famer, I'm going to put you in there because I know. Because it was harder to get sacks than it is today, man. Sorry, everybody was running yes. football. So appreciate your time, man, Kevin, man. Thanks a lot. Anytime, brother. Thank you. Kevin Carter. Uh, yeah, I'm glad we got to catch up with you. You can follow him uh, on Twitter at Kevin Carter underscore 93. Great Ram, great Titan, a longtime player in this league. Went a little bit older on that segment. We'll come back. We'll hit you with headlines. We will get to the phones. James, Billy, hold on. We haven't forgotten about you. We'll get to you on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline next on Blaine and Mickey.